Today's episode of Locked On MLB is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast where we talk about all of Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. It's election day, and we're going to be talking about a hard-to-decipher ballot on this election day, the third day of November 2020. No, 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 not the presidential election. I'm sure you've already picked a long time ago who you're voting there. I'm going to be talking today about the upcoming Hall of Fame ballot, and I'm not doing it alone. I'm bringing on Lockdown Cardinals' Lucas Smith. This show is available on the free and easy-to-use Himalaya podcasting app. We're also available wherever you get your podcasts. And when you're staying at home during these strange and sometimes here in California smoky times, make sure to tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown MLB or check out some of the other great shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network, including Lockdown Fantasy Baseball with Scott Cullen and by sheer coincidence, Lockdown Cardinals with Lucas Smith. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown MLB Pods. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball. On Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Yes, it is election day. I voted absentee ballot a few weeks ago, which means it's somewhere in a dumpster being uncounted. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Columbia, Missouri, we have friend of the podcast, Lucas Smith, host of Locked on Cardinals. How you doing, buddy? You know what, Sully? I'm all right. I can't complain too much. I'll be voting t- today on Tuesday. Um mm-hmm. And I can't complain too much. We get to talk baseball, talk about a more fun type of election in the Hall of Fame election. So I'm doing all right here in Columbia. Well, as I said on the podcast over the weekend that I posted on Halloween, I think that the podcast that, you know, certainly I feel this, I'm sure you feel this about Lockdown Cardinals, that these podcasts are more important now because for fans like you and for me, I mean, I'm a baseball first guy. I, that's my, mm-hmm. that's the sport I'm thinking about during the Super Bowl. And you're a rabid baseball fan as well, clearly. Absolutely. And during the regular season, if I want a baseball fix, I'll watch a game. Or I'll watch baseball tonight or something like that. And in the off season, sometimes it's really, really scarce to get any baseball news. And you just want to talk baseball. And uh, that's what I love about Locked On. And they're doing it year round. It's great. If I would need it, just we're here if you need us. It's kind of the thing. It, it, I don't expect everyone to listen to every episode, but don't you feel that way? It's like, I just, it's the middle of January. I just want to hear about baseball right now. Absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm baseball 24 seven. When I, when I got hired, Sean uh, Woodley, our wonderful boss was like, Hey, you, you know, it'll probably be about your hour of your time, you know, from, from prep to post. And I was like, well, great. I think about baseball 24 seven. So that one hour of locked on podcasting shouldn't be a problem, but Okay, let's get to the point at hand here, because every year people act like the Hall of Fame ballot caught them by surprise, okay? We know for years who's going to be on this ballot. There should be all the discussion and debate should take place years and for, you know, over years. So it shouldn't catch you in surprise. But I will say one thing I really, I really like about 
the Hall of Fame ballots. And part of me wishes, because people who know me know that I'm also, as well as being a, a big baseball nut, I'm also a big Academy Awards nut. I've seen mm-hmm. all the best picture winners and, and I always see all the nominees. But they're subjective and meaningless. Shut up. I have fun. Don't take fun things away from me. <laughs> there you God, go. I hate that. Like, yeah, and you're having fun doing that, but it's not perfect. Yeah, shut up. Play with your hockey sack. Get out of my face. <laughs> um, but there's something I've, I've, I've said often about the Oscars is I wish they had a five-year waiting rule because sometimes a film oh, I think that film was really great. But then you say, oh, actually, just kind of, it was kind of manipulative and, com- you know, it was it the film. Age of the- well. Yeah, but then you look at the films that really do age well and you mm-hmm. think, oh my God, like that film, you know, it, like what film are we still talking about five years later? And those are the films that we should reward. And I do like that there is a waiting period that comes around for the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And I also like the fact that you, that you you are on the ballot, and you could have healthy debates. I think the healthy debate is what got, for example, Burt Blylevin into the Hall of Fame. It took him fourteen years, yeah. but I think enough people saw that. Yeah, he didn't hit this win total, and he ERA was this, but he's the fifth most strikeouts in baseball history. This, that, and the other thing. You know, he was, and he played for a lot of teams where he. I did a whole chart of if you wanted 300 wins, here's all the bad teams he played on. And here's just a handful mm-hmm. of the, the complete game losses or 10 inning losses that he had. And so, you know, spirited debate helps the Hall of Fame. Uh, the the ballot that's going to come up this year is, I think, one of the most intriguing because there are no first ballot guys mm-hmm. who are who I think deserve to be in the Hall at all which gives us a chance to take a look at some of the people with, shall we call it a checkered past Mm -hmm. and determine whether or not they're going to go on there. So let's, let's just parachute right into this. Uh, Do you have the ballot in front of you here? I do. but uh, One thing, when you talk about the the debate, another guy comes to my mind is Jack Morris. I mean, it took him 15 years to get mm -hmm. in, you know, so that that's just another reason, another example of, you know, the, 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 the debate that goes into this and, you know, most of our and job our, is debating. So it makes sense that the hall of fame takes a debate somewhat to get in. So, but yes, I do yeah, have the ballot pulled up. But, and it also, you know, our metrics of what we use to determine excellence uh, morphs over the years as, as we oh, get. absolutely. And, and so I think, and I also think there's sometimes that a narrative can take someone in, you know, Jim Rice took 15 ballots I was very happy when Jim Rice got in. I know some people weren't. I make no bones about why I was very happy. I grew up outside of Boston, and Jim Rice was one of my favorite players. And so, therefore, emotionally, I loved that Jim Rice was in the Hall of Fame. I understood all the arguments against him being in the Hall of Fame. And quite frankly, I didn't care. I, <laughs> I, 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 I teared up when I saw him give a speech. And some people might say that's subjective. And I said, yes, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> We're not um, the ones voting. We have our own opinions. Right. And and there's sometimes some of the veteran committees. I was I was not I did not agree with putting Harold Baines in. No. Yeah. Um that being and, and I think the saddest thing about that for me is it it makes people talk about Harold Baines who had a wonderful career as if he was a chump. Which you know, he was there's, no, there's a big gray area between Chump and right. Hall of Fame. Yeah, you and I so, talked about this last time when I was on. I think that w- when you look at a Hall of Fame career, for me, it's something that my, my grandfather really talks about is that when you're looking at the Hall of Fame, 
It's the mm-hmm. best of the best of the best. Top-notch guys, right? He always has the mindset of, if you have to think about it, then they shouldn't get your vote. I think that yeah. pertains more so to the first first year guys. You know, 10 years down the road, you, you debate a little bit. But, I mean, there are certain guys, like Adam Wainwright, for example, is on the cusp of a great career, but is he a Hall of Famer? Probably not, mm-hmm. you know? So I just yeah. think that some of these guys, especially some of these first-year ballot guys, when you look at guys like a Tim Hudson, a Mark Burley, a Torrey Hunter, they had great outstanding careers, but are they Hall of Fame caliber? First-year ballot, yeah. I don't think at all. Maybe they get it later down the road, but it's just that that gray area is pretty pretty wide, like you say. Yeah, let's say. I mean, we'll go over the first ballots. I mean, I mean, this is the proverbial Hall of Very Good to me, <laughs> right? And you know, Jack Morris was in the category for a long time before he got in. But there was when you think about people who were ace pitchers for World Series winning teams whose peaks were really high, but not long enough. Mm-hmm. And that would be the likes of Valenzuela would be one. Ron Guidry would be one. I mean, this is for more my generation. Oral Hershiser, Dave Stewart. You know, later you would have, you know, I mean, Burley is the ideal one and stuff like that. I think Wainwright and Carpenter might be in that category as well. Cliff Lee yeah. is probably in that category as well. Although Lee actually never did win a World Series. But, um, you know, in 2008 Phillies. Uh, no, Lee, Lee was he not was on, on the 2000. No, he was still in Cleveland. He won this oh, okay. AL Cy Young Award that year. Okay, he was uh, on 09 then. Yeah, uh, Lincecum would certainly be that with the uh, Giants, mm-hmm. whose peak was spectacular but not long enough. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of players like that, and I think that, you know, Burley and Hudson was part of the 2014 Giants and had those great years with Oakland and some really good years with Atlanta. I just not enough of them. Mm-hmm. You know, not enough of them. Yeah. Um, you know, a Tory Hunter is a player who was very, very good, had a couple of great seasons, but I, again, he was never the elite player. I mean, the same thing can say you, Zito was another one of those, mm-hmm. you know, ace, but not for long enough. Um, and then, you know, uh, you know, Burnett, <laughs> no, yeah. Shane Victorino, Boston strong. Love you, buddy. No. Right. You know, Nick Swisher, you're funny. I hope you have a nice long broadcasting career. No. Danny mm-hmm. Harron, former another Cardinal traded away. Um <laughs> you know, not you had a really good career. I mean, these are this is, doesn't mean you're bad. Mm-mm. Aramis Ramirez had a really nice career. But who's gonna go through uh, Cooperstown and hold your their grandson up and said, Son, son, that's Adam Harang's plaque. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Adam Harang. What would it even say in his inscription? Man, Who knows? Huh. Right. All these players are are guys that, you know, at their peak, you'd want to, to have on your team. Absolutely. Like, like the way you put it was, was perfect. Hall of very good. But when you look at the Hall of Fame, you look at longevity. You know, you, you look at guys that are good for more than five, six years. Torrey Hunter was probably one of the best right fielder, fielding right fielders of his time. You know yeah. what I mean? But that doesn't mean that, you know, 10-year stretch. And you bring up Ramos Ramirez. I want to talk about him for just a moment. I don't think he's going to get in at any point. But he was one of those guys, some of these unexplainable stats in baseball of why a team is so – why a player is so good against another team for really no good reason. Ramos Ramirez, his career against St. Louis was ridiculous. 216 games, 38 home runs. He hit 309. That's his second highest home run total against any team. His highest RBI total against any team, 147. He was just one of those random Cardinal killers that killed the Cardinals, whether he was for Pittsburgh, Chicago, or Milwaukee. It was just one of those weird things that Ramos Ramirez was a really 
really solid hitter and a cornerstone on a lot of those teams. You know what I mean? He was, you know, the bat in Chicago for a little while. Same thing with Milwaukee when they were, uh, when they were decent. And it was just one of those things that if, if you take his Cardinal career, his career numbers against the Cardinals, he's in the hall of fame with yeah. that short of playing time. But just for the full length of longevity of his, of his career, I think he might get a couple votes to stay on the ballot a couple years that the 5% minimum we, we talk about, but does yeah. he get in and, and, you know, maybe 15 years down the road on some veterans committee, like, like Morris did maybe, but I just yeah. don't think he gets in on the writers association on this first 10 years that you get on. Hey, let's just pause a minute here to talk about built bar. I love built bar. They're new, they're improved, and they're even more delicious. They've got six new flavors that are terrific. Caramel, brownie, cookies, and cream, cherry, barcia, lemon, almond, cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple, almond, crisp to go along with our 12 original flavors, including my favorites, raspberry, German chocolate, and mint brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft, they're easy to chew, they're delicious, but they're also healthy. It's great if you're a health-conscious guy, you're trying to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Let's take one of them, which I love, which is coconut almond, 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams sugar, 5 grams net carb. You can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. And you can use this promo code even if you've bought Built Bars before. It's not just for new buyers. If you've done a bunch of orders before, feel free to use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. BuiltBar.com. And you think of some people who had were off to great starts and then injuries just took them down. Like the one I'm thinking of who's on this ballot is Grady Sizemore, mm -hmm. who came out as a 22, 23-year-old, as an all-star, as a gold glover, as a silver slugger. And, of course, like, you know, when the year with the Indians almost made it to the World Series, I'm thinking he could have been the guy to lead the Indians to a title if they just won one more game. They were up 3-1 to one on Boston yeah. in the ALCS. And that year, you know, he batted 277, but he also had 101 walks. You know, he was always he was a guy who was reliable to get on base, stealing bases, had power, had gold glove. And, you know, and then by age 27, he was done. His career was yeah. over. You know, but 22, he was this breath of fresh air and was going to be the next huge star in Cleveland. And five years later, he's done. And get, you you think of players like that, like what could have been if he had stayed healthy? Well, one cardinal for, from what could have been comes to mind is Jerk Ankiel. I mean, I, I don't have mm -hmm. a set to it up because he just came to my mind right now, but he had a remarkable career as a pitcher for the first two, might've been just his first one or two years, but he was a dominant left-handed pitcher, great fastball, great curveball. And then all of a sudden, I think it was 90s. 96, maybe it was a playoff series against the Braves. He forgot how to throw a pitch down the strike or down, oh, down it was the strike 2001. Zone. It was, was 2001. It okay. Yeah, it was 2000. Yeah. Or 2000. It was yeah. 2000. And he could, he could not, it was actually painful to watch. Oh, absolutely. Because he was the number one starter. And it was that series against Atlanta. And he could not get the ball over the plate. And he couldn't it get it anywhere near it. And then from, yeah. from that from that moment, like we talked about, Grady Sizemore career went downhill. He ended up making a remarkable comeback as a as a hitter in the yeah. mid mid late late two thousands. And but just you know all those what ifs. And I think us, you know, at least us as like a sports industry, are really quick to name these guys as Hall of Fame players. For all mm -hmm. we know, Ronald Acuna Jr., who I think is one of the best young, young superstars in the game, 
could tear his ACL next year and then never be the same. But right now he might be on a Hall of Fame track. You know what I mean? So it's just yeah. like one of these things that you just never know what's going to happen, which why I think that longevity, when you're looking at a Hall of Fame ballot of who gets your vote, longevity is really, really important. Okay, so I think we can agree there's nobody on the first-year ballot who belongs in at mm-hmm. all. And, I, and I, I would have no compunction if they all fell off the ballot. No offense to Tim Hudson and Mark Burley and Barry Zito and, and Tory Hunter. I just don't, I don't see a scenario where I break down their career and say, oh, actually, you know, I, I just don't. And I'm sure someone will tell me that I'm wrong, but uh, I, I stand by that. So the, the elephants in the room you have the three on top of the ballot who got the most from who were remaining, who got over 60% the last time. And it's safe to say they all have baggage. Um, (laughs) Kurt Schilling. uh, I don't want to get into my political leanings or anything. Um, They don't always match with Kurt Schilling's. Um, But I think if we start polling what people's political beliefs are, um, uh, you know, it's going to open up a can of worms that I really don't want to open up. He's been, he said some things which are beyond simply politically incorrect. Uh, that being said, uh, he's not been, he's not been involved in off field scandals besides right. financial ones. Uh, and, and, you know, his financial improprieties. He's not been, involved in cheating scandals he's not been involved in abuse scandals or in dr- like i'm like if i'm just gonna go based upon his career he belongs in the hall of fame you know he had to me he had uh, a he, he dominated enough years and he was a cy young contender enough times and i, I and dominated in the postseason when you consider he was a postseason MVP for two different franchises and neither of those franchises were the Red Sox. Yeah. You know, that he was able to do that with Philadelphia and Arizona and to do it starting in a relatively late part in his career. He started dominating in his late Mm twenties and, uh, and he put up some, some of the years that he had, especially in Arizona, he was extraordinary. He was absolutely extraordinary putting up numbers, striking out 300 batters, keeping his ERA low, keeping his innings pitch high, throwing 15 complete games one year, eight the next, six the next. In a steroid era, to me, he belongs in. Yeah, as much as I might not like the guy, again, not to get too political or anything, but as much as I might not like the guy, the numbers speak for themselves a lot of different ways. And this is almost like the opposite of what you were talking about with Jim Rice, you know, of of got people telling you, oh, you're biased or whatever, but he's not good enough. This is the opposite. We might be biased against him because of feelings towards him as a person. But I think because those feelings and because those things aren't baseball related, he didn't you know, didn't, wasn't involved in a steroid scandal or, or a gambling scandal or anything like that. Uh, I think he wasn't that, a domestic abuser. He wasn't doing stuff right. like that. I mean, so I'm kind of like, do you know what? I, the guy deserved to be in. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I wouldn't like Chipper Jones's politics from what I know about it, but this is not the Republican primary. This is a chance to go into <laughs> Cooperstown. Yeah. I think that Schilling, I think honestly, there's a really good chance that Schilling is the only one voted in next year. I think so too. Um, Let's do. I um, know. Let's. You're a cardinal guy. Um, I think Roland deserves a better crack than he's getting. No. Uh, he didn't even get. Thir- he didn't even get forty percent the last vote. 
I think he belongs in. I think he's one of the best third basemen of all time. I think definitely he he's up there. I, I really think so. I think especially when – I think he's he's either a Cardinal Hall of Famer or in the Cardinal – I get it confused whether you're in a team Hall of Fame or not because the Cardinals, the, the language they use, but that, that's a rant for another day. I just yeah. think that Roland is one of those guys that that's really close. I think he's closer than any of the first-year ballots like we talked about. I think mm-hmm. that – just because of the ballot of 2021, he will get a significant increase in votes because, to my knowledge, each person that votes on this gets 10 votes um, for each of um, their ballots. So I think that he will see an uptick. I think he'll break that 50% mark um, in his fifth year in the ballot, or fourth yeah. year in the ballot, rather. But I don't know if it's enough to get him in this year. But especially with, with how much of an increase he's going to get this year, I think he'll eventually get in. And I think he, he deserves to get in. I really do. There's some other ones that are interesting borderliners. Um, Gary Sheffield has the numbers. He, of course, has the Balco baggage. Yep. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> uh, 509 homers and 907 OPS lifetime. You know, there almost has to be like a filter. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, 500 home runs equals what 300 home runs used to equal. You mm-hmm. know, I wish there was some sort of a, a filter that we can put this on. Because, you know, Sheffield... I think about Sheffield and his former teammate, Fred McGriff. You know, McGriff was never the MVP of the league, but he was always super consistent. Sheffield was similar to that, bounced around from team to team, like the latter-day years of um, Rogers Hornsby. But (laughs) at the same time, uh, Sheffield does have the Balco baggage for people who really care about that. Um and your thoughts on Sheffield? Yeah, I think just because of that that baggage and everything, and it's it's just tough. What when you look at the Hall of Fame and how for for so long before the steroid era, especially, it was you hit these markers and you're in. You know, the 200 wins, the 300 home runs, the 3,000 hits. Um, if you weren't a home run hitter, you you hit those marks and you're in. And now what the steroid era has done, and you know, now like like you said, the 300 home run marker is really the 500 home run marker. But then you wonder how many of those home runs were, were steroid based for a lot of different people, just because because of that and because of that 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 baggage that you mentioned, she- Sheffield doesn't get in because you have to wonder how much of these numbers are are, are legit, um, and you have to wonder of that with, with really a lot of the players that are on the ballot this year, um, especially when you look at guys like Clemens and Bonds, which are the uh, the, the two big horses. Um, yeah. But it, it, it's just tough when you have to to bring that into account of how much of these numbers are actually legit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Sosa hit 609 home runs. He's in the 600 home run club. You know, that I mean, you you got to you, you know, someone like Andy Pettit had a, his numbers as a pitcher, but we know he was on it. Mm-hmm. And there comes a point where you almost have to ask yourself, should we care anymore? Yeah. Now, the reason why, I mean, Bonds and Clemens are in this situation which is a weird philosophical you know, question to have, which is in an era where so many people were doing it, they were heads and inflated shoulders above everyone else. And they were Hall of Famers before their bodies expanded. Absolutely. So, so to me, you can't write the history of baseball. And if you want to include that on their plaque, or if you want to bar them from the ceremony or whatever you want to do, before 1997, Roger Clemens was a Hall of Famer. 
-hmm. Before 1999, Barry Bonds was the list of players after the 1997 season when Bonds was still slender and fast. Bonds was in the 400 home run, 400 stolen base club. Do you else? Do you else was in the club with him at that time? 400, 400. Uh, yeah. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. He was the only one at that time to ever achieve that. Wow. And he was already a multiple MVP at that point. Clemens won three Cy Young awards with the Red Sox before joining and and led the league in strikeouts the final year in Boston when everyone said he was washed up. So I, you know, they're in their ninth ballot, and I and I just wonder if there is a certain fatigue about it. And so like, what the heck? Just put him in. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, by the way, I, I don't know if you and I talked about this before. I know I brought this up before, but I always bring it up. There's a very easy solution of how to deal with Clemens and Bonds. Go for it. Giants, give Bonds in that bat. Yankees. Let Clemens pitch an inning. Restart their Hall of Fame clock. They'll be back on the ballot in five years. I mean, you take a look at the Giants last year. You try to tell me Bonds wasn't a better option in left field than some of the jabronis they were putting out there? <laughs> you try to tell me in this truncated season, the Yankees couldn't have used one inning of relief? I thought when Bonds was the, the hitting coach for uh, the Marlins – I said, Matt, put him in for one at bat. Activate him for one at bat as a pinch hitter. Yeah. And then that would just start the clock again. I used to say that as a joke. I now say that 100% serious. <laughs> we'll deal with them in the Hall of Fame ballot in 2025. And if you're worried about the old timers, saying, oh, what will this old timer think of that old timer? Uh, time is taking care of the old timers these days. Yeah. I'm sad to say it. Rest in peace, Lou Brock. Rest in peace, Bob Gibson, and all the Hall of Famers who have who we've lost. Jeez, just since the spring. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I used to say it as a joke. I now say that completely seriously. Give him an at bat. Give well, him an at bat. I, I think you're spot on with, with the timing. I think, for lack of a better phrase or of elegance, people are just getting freaking annoyed with it at this point, and they're just saying. Put them in. Let's have a different argument instead of saying, well, if they get in, we'll talk about it. Let's just put them in and talk about it, you know? And I think that it, it's just so difficult because, especially we'll just talk about Clemens and Bond, like you talked about. They were Hall of Famers. They were top of top of the top before the steroids. Yeah. It's just so unfortunate that they had to think that they needed them because they didn't. They were generational-type talents before they started juicing up. But because – the, the fame and, and the pressure and everything else got to them and they, they took the steroids or for whatever reason they took it, whatever excuse they want to make, it's now tarnished their Hall of Fame careers. It's now tarnished baseball's legacy, and especially in the 90s and early 2000s, and it's really tarnished them as people as well because nobody really – I feel like people, for the most part, have negative opinions on Clemens and Bonds because they used them and because they lied about not using them or lied about using them, however grammatically speaking that's correct. And it's just mm -hmm. really unfortunate that these two people who are who were so good at a sport that is so difficult went down this road. Well, here's what I'll say about that. I think that people already dislike Clemens. Okay. I think people dislike Bonds when he was a skinny player for the Pirates. 
I think people you people disliked a Rod when when he was being touted as the potential clean home run champion. In that people hated a Rod when he was in Seattle, um, and yet people like Big Poppy. People like Andy Pettit. People have liked uh, people liked Sammy Sosa until he had a corked bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, people like uh, Giambi. And I think it has to do, uh, uh, I think it has more to do with people use the steroids as an excuse to, to say what they think about someone. But in reality, I think that people have their opinions of these players and it's, it's rooted more in how they like or dislike them. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to see people doing flips and twists to make apologies for steroid use, ask a Red Sox fan about Ortiz or ask a Yankee fan about Pettit, and they will do cartwheels to justify this, that, or the other thing. Mm-hmm. But they will immediately point their finger at Bonds or Palmero or McGuire or you know, Canseco or uh, Clemens, who they didn't like anyway. Right. So I, I th- yeah, I think that, that um, steroids gives people cover for what they were already thinking about someone. And, you know, I, I'm, you remember there was a period of time when someone's cocaine use kept them out of the hall. People were reluctant to vote for, Fergie Jenkins, for example, because he was involved in the cocaine scandals. Cocaine seems so quaint now. Right. But um, I think if this ballot, and with everything that's happened in the world over the last year or so, mm-hmm. I do think this this could be the ballot that enough people, you know, 60% voted for Clemens and Bonds the last time. It's not like they're languishing around. It's more than half. Oh, yeah. And I could see an additional 15% go, I'm tired of this conversation. Let's put them on. I think not, not only that, not, not the tiredness of it, but the fact that this ballot, no disrespect to anybody on this ballot, is really a pretty weak ballot, you know, because there's there's no home run yeah. slam dunk this guy's in because Schilling still needs 5% more. Will he get in? Probably, but I don't think he's a slam mm-hmm. dunk by any stretch of the imagination. So I think that, that that also helps guys like Clemens and Bonds, but it also helps guys that we already talked about, Scott Rowland, and it's going to help Omar Vizquel, who we haven't talked about, that he also earned above 50% of the ballot last year. It, with, with the lack of no-doubt Hall of Famers on this ballot, it's going to help those fringe guys, those Hall of Very Good guys, get into Cooperstown and become the Hall of Fame guys. It's just because of the lack of wow factor the the lack of guarantees on this ballot and i'll tell you another thing and this is where i'll wrap up on for the likes of specifically bonds and clemens they are going to eventually be in the hall of fame now it may be a veterans committee 20 years from now Mm -hmm. but they will eventually get in now maybe the writers want to say we don't want to be the ones to vote them in um but they're going to get in. Right. They're going to get in. And it may be after all the old timers are dead and Clemens and Bonds are in their 70s. I don't know the answer. But part of me is like, guys, if you're trying to keep them out, you're screaming at the tide. Mm-hmm. Bonds and Clemens will get in. 
Now, whether or not Ramirez or Sosa or Sheffield get in, that's a that's a different. I think that maybe that adjustment for steroids, I think, will keep them out. I think it will keep out Ortiz like it kept out Pettit. But that being said, uh, you know, if Ortiz gets in, then there's going to be there'll be a riot. And the fact that, you know, Pudge Rodriguez was in the Balco report, too, and he got in partly mm-hmm. because of the difficulty of his position. Yeah. But it goes back a little bit to what we were saying before, too, is when one of the things we hear some of the steroid apologists say, well, you know, it's it not necessarily about building up muscle. It's about, you know, it keeps you healthy, it keeps you on the field. And then what we're, we just talked about Grady Sizemore earlier. Yeah. Or from my generation, Fred Lynn, whose first four or five years, he looked like a first ballot Hall of Famer, and then injuries took over. I bet if he had access to some of this stuff, mm-hmm. he would have a plaque. So uh, that's one of the things that always feels unfair. But uh, I think that I, I want Clemens and Bonds in. Uh, I think eventually they will be. I don't think the writers ever will be the ones to do it. I do think it will be a committee. I, I, do think, I do think Schilling will get voted in, and Schilling will be on the stage with Jeter, which will be one of the weirdest things ever. And they'll have to have a mute button for Schilling's speech. <laughs> It'll have to be uh, highly vetted and highly screened beforehand before he gives yeah. it. So yeah, <laughs> they'll, they'll give him a they'll give him like a ten seconds. You have ten seconds. I think Trump is right. Okay, you're done. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Good chilling, everybody. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, you belong in my Hall of Fame, man. So tell people where can, people can find you. Well, they can find me on Twitter at LJ Fastball. They can find the show on Twitter, LO underscore Cardinals. You can also find the, sh- the show on Instagram, LO underscore Cardinals. You can email the show, lockedoncards at gmail.com. There you go. And you can follow us in the free, easy to use Himalaya podcasting app. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On MLB Pod. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball. Talking elections with Lucas Smith of Locked On Cardinals. This has been Locked On MLB for Election Day. Stay safe, everyone. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. <laughs>